0: In our worship today, we continue to look at Paul's letter to the Ephesians together. We're now in the second chapter. In chapter 1, as we've talked about the last two weeks, and I'm glad we're back online for those that are watching at home. Last week our internet was out until Wednesday, so we're glad to be back online there. But for the last two weeks in chapter 1, Paul has been trying to encourage us that the God's love and grace just wants to pour over and spill over and fill our lives with abundance, such abundance that it's like we're seated seated in Jesus Christ in heaven, in the heavenly places, around the throne, together with God the Father. And this week, he takes us back more to the beginning, before we knew God, in a time when uh, we were lost to God, and when God went missing from our lives and the difference between what our life looked like then and now. And so this message today goes out especially to those in our midst or who are watching online who maybe you're just kind of curious about the Christian faith. You wouldn't really necessarily call yourself a Christian or not an active Christian, or maybe you might see yourself as someone who's a bit of a skeptic. Uh, I hope this message will speak into your heart and life, especially today of those who are maybe newer to the Christian faith. And so, as we look together, Paul writes for us, starting in the second chapter of Ephesians, these words. Now, as for you all, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work among the children of disobedience. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts. And like the rest, we were by nature children of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparably great riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved. Through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works that no one can boast, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. Will you pray with me and for me? Lord Jesus, uh, let your Holy Spirit come. We give thanks for this uh, weekend where we celebrate freedom in our country. Lord, even more, I pray, through my words today, we might find freedom in you. For without you, we are never truly free. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Paul kind of wants us to rewind our lives, wants us to look back and remember what life was like for all of us, when God was missing. to Remember what life was like for all of us when God is missing. And so he begins and says, listen, as for you guys, you were dead in transgressions and sin. And right out of the gate, Paul kind of wallops us in the stomach and reminds us not of our physical death, but that when life begins, we're all stuck in spiritual death. And it's like death grows in us with every bad decision and bad choice and mistake we make all along the way. With each transgression and with each sin, we develop a heart that becomes more and more and more dead. Then he goes on and explains it in a little different way. And he says, listen, we used to follow the world on top of that. The world was our guide for right and wrong. The world is our guide for good and bad. The world led us astray. And not just the world, but the one who runs the world, the spirit of the prince of the power of the air. And that's probably a way that he could kind of connect with his Greek audience in saying the evil one, Satan, the devil, whoever, the one who leads us astray spiritually into bad things and the result he says is we become children of disobedience we're on the wrong path on the wrong track and in fact we're in the wrong family because God is missing he says all of us lived among these at one time and and the way we lived is we gratified our flesh we followed its desires and thoughts and here Paul seems to point out that without God We tend to become more animal as we go along, rather than human. Letting our passions, our lusts, our desires be in charge of our choices and our decisions and where we're headed. And we reap the fruit of all this. And the fruit, Paul writes, is like the rest. We were by nature children of wrath. Now, a lot of us today, we don't like the idea of a wrathful God. But what we need to understand at some fundamental level is that when we choose to live without God, when we choose to live in rebellion to God, the only consequence that can happen is that we will be children of wrath. It's a sign that we're in the wrong place, on the wrong team fighting for the wrong cause. And so he tries to paint this picture for us, brothers and sisters, of the desperation of a life without Jesus. Have you experienced that some part in some place in your life? One of the things Paul challenges us with here is that at some point in some place we have all been in this boat. It's not just for the bad people from Paul's perspective it hits everybody I mean listen this affected Paul and he was a Jew of Jews a Pharisee of Pharisees from the tribe of Benjamin he writes in Philippians and as to the law blameless if anybody was gonna find a way to be righteous and right with God and 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 be a good citizen it would have been Paul but Paul concludes in the letter of Philippians everything that I'd done for good is nothing but a pile of manure and rubbish. Because I finally realized that I too missed God. I too am dead in my sins. So you can think of the best human beings on the planet. Maybe your grandparents. Maybe for my, my day it was Billy Graham and Mother Teresa. Maybe Martin Luther King Jr. or or Mahatma Gandhi, or the Dalai Lama, or I don't know who, whoever you think. Paul is saying here, we're all in the same boat, and the boat is sinking. And that's the bad news. And so if you look at your past, if you look at your history, if you look at where you came from, all of us have skeletons in our closet, don't we? And some of them we still haven't gotten over. Some of them we still haven't healed from some of them we haven't even acknowledged that they're there and we just have left them in the closet hoping they'll go away and that we can run our life but it doesn't work jesus came to deal with us and to deal with the skeletons in our closet and to save us from sinking on the spiritual titanic and that's the good news and and to kind of share an example of that today i want to share with you the story uh, of a young man I mean, he's actually older now. He's almost 40, I guess. But his name is Scott Harrison. Scott Harrison uh, grew up kind of like Paul in a religious Christian family. He knew what it meant to be a good person and a good kid and all those kind of things. And his parents didn't have a lick of trouble with him all through high school. He did the right thing. He went to church and all that kind of stuff until he got unleashed to go to college. In college he went and got involved in New York City and the bright lights and the big city and you know had a you know began to explore the world and began to explore his desires and passions and partying and all that kind of stuff. And then this opportunity toward the end of college came up that uh, that a job to have like the funnest job in the world to be a promoter for the late night party scene in the late night party places he was going to be a promoter of you know the dance hall I can't even think of the name for it right now but but he was going to promote late night stuff not just one but like several places and his job was to get anybody and everybody who was beautiful and hot and had money to come in and pay tons of money to party and dance and do drugs and just have the party of a lifetime and this became his job and his life and he did really well in the social life in new york city he climbed that ladder so much so that his girlfriend was on the cover of magazines he had the rolex watch he had the volvo that he could drive around town with he had the nice apartment in new york city with the baby grand piano and the and the golden retriever. and I mean, he had everything that a young 20-year-old guy could want. He had all the partying and all the girls and all the drugs and all the money he could ask for. And that was fun for a while. Until I think he noticed his heart was not beating like it used to he noticed that he also was dead in his transgressions and sins. And he began to wonder, could my childhood faith help me find what's missing? And so he turned back and looked for good news in Jesus. And Paul tells us this good news in the scripture today, how because of God's great love for us God doesn't leave us as children of wrath he doesn't leave us on the wrong side instead he is rich in mercy and his mercy is just poured out for each and every one of us deeply and widely and in that mercy he made us alive with Christ Jesus even when we were dead in transgressions and sins and then he tells us it's by grace you have been saved Some of us, like Paul, or like John Wesley, or uh, in my own life, or like Scott even, I think, to some degree, when we get stuck in this place of death, we know something's got to change, and so we think we're the ones to change it, right? We think, you know what? I've got to be a better person. I've got to do the right thing. I've, I've got to learn how to be a better human being, and, and so we work hard, and maybe we try to change our habits and change our world and change what we do to do better. But one of the key things that Paul points out for us this morning is that we are not saved by trying to change ourselves or trying to be a good person or trying to do the right thing. No, none of that saves us. Paul writes, if we're to find salvation, it's by a thing we call grace. And Paul calls grace God's gift, a free gift offered and given to us. All we have to do is accept it and say yes to the gift. And so he shares here that for by grace you have been saved from the law of sin and death, and you are saved through faith, both the faithfulness of Jesus Christ But even more, as we say yes to Jesus in faith and we trust him and surrender to him and offer everything to him and say, Jesus, you were able to conquer death. You were able to raise me from the dead spiritually. You're able to give me a new birth, to give me a second chance and a new life. And I say, thank you, Jesus. And so I will trust you with everything, all of who I am and all of who I want to be. And we express this faith, often it starts in some kind of prayer, some kind of saying, Lord, I love you. Lord, I need you. I've finally figured out, like Scott and like Paul and like Chris, I can't save myself. I can't be a good person on my own. I can't do the right thing by myself. I need your grace. I need Jesus. I need forgiveness. I need you to raise me up with Christ and seek me in heavenly places where I can know your abundant love and strength in Jesus' name. And so today, we give thanks. We give thanks for God's offer of grace for us. We are saved because of God's mercy and love. We are saved not by our own works, or the own thing, our own things we do, but we're saved by the blood of Jesus, His forgiveness and resurrection power, offering us to lean on and lean into Him and trust Him and be united with Him. And as we do that, we're not saved by good works, but Paul writes, "We're saved for good works." The last verse there, he says, "We're saved not by works that none of us can boast in our salvation. We're all start in the same boat. We're all offered grace. We're all offered new birth. We're all offered Jesus Christ. We're all offered the opportunity to trust Him and make Him the Lord of our life." And so he says, "For we are God's handiwork. We are created in the Messiah Jesus to do good works." which God has prepared in advance for us to do, and that is though good works don't save us. Once we follow Jesus, good works are a natural part of the outflow of our relationship with Jesus Christ. God has something for you that only you can do. For how you love your family, for how you minister and work and build friendships in your neighborhood, for how you share Jesus with a smile on your face at your job. There are certain things only you can do, and the Lord invites us in his grace to sit in high places and heavenly places, finding all the resources we need to be his kingdom people, to his praise, glory, hallelujah. Y'all, and this is what the story of Scott, this is what he found too. As he sought to change his life, as he looked back at Jesus once again, he said a scripture stuck out from James chapter 1, verse 27, of where he needed to go. He said, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. It's to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world is to look for orphans and widows in their distress and keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And as Scott looked at this and looked at his life as a 28-year-old, there was no comparison. He's like, I realized I'm O for 2. In the last 10 years of my life, I've made all this money and all this stuff happen and everything was about me and for me and my pleasure. I haven't done anything for the widows. I haven't done anything for the orphan i haven't done anything for the poor and the needy and maybe now i need to do a 180 degree turn and see what the lord might lead me and how i can make this world a better place and the second thing he did that day is he also realized he'd messed up because he had been polluted by the world He let the world set his agenda and his values and his goals and his aspirations and he wasn't going to do that anymore. And not only had he allowed the world to do that, for a living he had polluted the lives of as many people as possible around him. He saw that that was my job is to bring people to alcohol and bring people to the party lifestyle and to bring people to drugs and to bring people to spend all their money here at these nightclubs and so he knew he was 0 for 2. And so he, he got out of the job. He sold and gave everything away. And he said, what can I do that will most be different from what I've spent my last 10 years doing? So in a 180 degree turn, he, he sent his name out to go on board with local mission ministries like World Vision and, and others, Save the Children or whatever. UNICEF and none of them wanted him they said you're a party promoter how would you fit here with us but finally there was one group that said well we might can take you and their name was Mercy Ships they take basically hospitals all over the world to the neediest parts of the world to do surgeries that no one else can do in places no one else can go and Mercy Ships said, if you pay us $500 a month, we'll let you go along with us. And you can be our photojournalists and tell the stories of what's going on. He said, great. That sounds like the perfect 180 degree repent and turn and do something different. So he did for two years. He went around with Mercy Ships and saw, especially in Africa, just the desperate need, the desperate poverty the desperate need for surgeries and healing and hope. But in his second year there, he also began to notice something, that a lot of the sickness that they were seeing, people coming in droves to the ship for healing, a lot of the sickness had to do with they were drinking dirty water. The Holy Spirit started speaking to his heart and say, you know, if you could do something about this dirty water, then maybe not as many people would be sick and maybe they'd be better at school and maybe they'd be better at their job and maybe their life would be better if we could just make sure this billion people that don't have clean water could have clean water. And others encouraged him and said, yes, then they won't need to come to the mercy ship if you can figure out how to give them clean water. So he went home and he went back to his party guys and And the party folks said, well, we don't invest in charities because we don't believe our money actually goes to what it's supposed to. And so he said, all right, I'm going to start a charity called Charity Water. With Charity Water, 100% of what you give will go to giving water to the 1 billion-plus people who have dirty water. And so he had a a party, right, because he knew how to do parties. He made people pay 20 bucks to come to the party who were his friends from the old days. And they came and they offered 20 bucks. And that night as they had this party and he talked about launching Charity Water, he raised $19,000. With that $19,000, they went and did their first project in Africa and built a well and offered clean water to a community in Africa. And that has grown and built and grown and Charity Water continues to help millions of people find clean water who have never had clean water before. And now that number that was 1.1 billion is now down to like 700 billion through the work of Charity Water and others to make a difference. You see, he had found life. Jesus had raised him from the dead. He had given him new birth and seated him in heavenly places with all the resources that he was lacking when he had his Rolex and his BMW and all the other stuff he had. And he found life. And he found that he was also created in Christ Jesus to do something good that would bring a smile to God's face. And now it's our turn too. It's our turn to remember what it's like when we missed out on God. If we've said yes to Jesus to give him more of our heart and life in surrender, if we haven't said yes to Jesus to do that today or in the weeks ahead, but to find out how God has made you special and there are things you can do to bring his goodness into your family and into this community, into our world that no one else can. The question isn't can or we do it or not. The question is will we do it? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.